Podcast about film festivals. My name is Jesse Weber, and I am joined by Nicarbuka, number one Vox Lux fan, Colin Edgley, Emilio Diaz. Today we're going to be drafting movies. We're bringing back the draft for the uh, 2018 Venice Film Festival. Uh, apologies for the cat who has <laughs> just hopped up and started yowling. Uh, but before we get any further, I'd like to introduce our guest. You know him from uh, the This Hat as the co-host of the This Hat Oscar Buds podcast, Joe Reed. Hey guys, yeah. thanks yeah. for having me. Continuing yeah, our legends on. only streak of, of guests. <laughs> oh <my> God. <laughs> <laughs> I was listening to Sims earlier. I was uh, that was quite the uh, the more Madagascar three discussion that I was personally prepared for <laughs> than has ever happened in the face <laughs> <Yeah>. of the earth. <laughs> Certainly not in the context of the Cannes Film Festival. That's that's true. Yes, <laughs> if I would have get if, if I would have had movies, <laughs> if I would have had my way, it would have been. Half of the runtime would have been Madagascar <laughs> three talk, but alas, there are five of us. <laughs> All right, so uh, I don't think we have any particular news this week, so I think we can get right into the nitty-gritty. I guess we've got to figure out what order we're going to go in. Uh, As our guest, Joe, is there any particular slot that you'd like to take? Oh, gosh. I mean... In terms of like which prize we want to go, no, and uh, just in terms of uh, which uh, where you want to go in the draft, if you want to take first oh. or if you want Ooh. the. I, I mean, believe. part of me wants to be like selfish and take first, but also I feel like that that's a lot of pressure to get that one right, and you don't get it till the end of the next round. So I'll pick with nice in the middle three. I feel like that okay. puts me on a keel. I feel like that's fine. All right, great. And then I will randomly generate who gets to decide next. Uh, For the record, I 100% would have picked first. (laughs) First or fifth. Hot corner. All right. Uh, Andy, where would you like to pick? Oh, geez. Um... I got I got I got the last one last time and that worked out well for me, so I'll take the last one again. I'll take five. Okay. Thank uh, Emilio, where would you like to pick? I'll take the first pick. <laughs> Alright, great. And then Cullen, where do you want to pick? Uh I think I was fourth last time, so or sorry, uh third last time. So I'll go fourth this time. All right, and that would make me second. Great. Uh, um, do you want to run down the parameters of this, uh, Jesse? Just sure. for our listeners who maybe haven't listened to the first one. Yeah, and we also there's a couple of things different with Venice. Uh, one, uh, just because there are five of us instead of four of us, we've cut the jury prize because theoretically picking three movies for jury would allow 
would make it so that we had to pick 15 movies out of this 20, so uh, 10 is going to be a lot easier. Uh, the other things that we've, the other thing is that we have the Marcello Mastroianni Award, which is for Emerging Actor, which we will be defining very loosely. Uh, <laughs> Stretching the limits. <laughs> yes. And then the other awards, rather than the Palme d'Or, we will be giving out the Golden Lion. Uh, this is the first time we will be awarding right. Golden Lions. And then As the- made famous by Joker. Of course. <laughs> and then we will have uh, the Silver Lion is the kind of second place we've got. And then we've got Best Director, Best Screenplay, Best Actor, and Best Actress as normal. Uh, best Actor and Actress, there's no... That can be... Uh, it can be lead, it can be supporting, it can also be a group of people from the same movie. Uh, and then you are allowed one tie. You're also allowed to give one movie two awards, but it basically has to be screenplay and then actor or actress. Uh, so yeah, I think that's everything. And everyone is allowed one non-competition title that played at Venice as long as it's not the top prize. Yes, that's correct. Also, I... I guess it's bad form to bring up mistakes at the top of this, but <laughs> doing some light pre-record Googling, we found that the Silver Lion is the Best Director Award, so those two awards don't exist separately at Venice, but I feel like it's fine to do what we're doing. I feel like they exactly. award a Silver Lion, and then they also award a Silver Lion for Director. Like, it's even weirder at... at uh, um. At Berlin, just like everything, everything. that is not yeah. the Golden Lion is, or uh, the Golden Bear is a Silver Bear. So there's right. just like a bunch of silver whatevers. But with that, so, yeah. Amelia, uh, kick us off. Yep. Okay, so last week when we did our draft of can blockbusters, we sort of gave the palm the ore. To like a boring consensus pick that it was like easily the best movie there. Yeah. And I have decided to continue that streak by giving <laughs> oh, no. that award to the movie that actually won the Golden Lion Roma, which is wow. by far my favorite movie here, which is a movie wow. that speaks a lot to me personally. Mm-hmm. I love almost every single frame of it. It speaks to a sort of like magical realism that I rarely find that engaging in American films, but Quaron usually does in a way that I find captivating and breathtaking. There are so many beautiful images. I think it is a beautiful story. I think it manages to tell the story of these two women in a way that I think at first I, sort of rubbed me the wrong way in a, in a way that I think it ru- ended up rubbing the, wa- the wrong way for a lot of people who finished watching the movie. But I think by the end, it justifies the sort of story about this domestic worker and the perspective it takes on their lives. And I think it's great. And I figured we might as well just start it off with that one. Yeah. And we can just move on to more interesting picks, but I love Rome. <laughs> yeah, no, sir. I mean, no arguments here. That was my top pick uh, option as well. I, I, I spoke at it at length on our best of the decade episode. Uh, a great pick. Yeah. It's tough to argue with Roma. It's, it's sort of, 
it's the standout when you just look at when you just sort of like casually peruse that list. That's the standout. It's the you know Patrick Mahomes of this draft, if you will permit a sports <laughs> metaphor. Like it's it's all the things. Yep. Mm-hmm. Five tool movie Roma. Uh, yes, exactly, <laughs> exactly. All right then. We can I go think to Jeff. I'm gonna yeah. I'm gonna go ahead and do another obvious pick. I'm gonna. Uh, we talked about whether or not we would allow people to do this. I'm going to do a similar thing to the actual Volpe Cup for Best Actress, and I am going to take Olivia Coleman, Emma Stone, and Rachel wow. Weisz, who are all equally good, all leads, all very good, very funny. I think... I don't know. I mean, I'm picking them all because I can't really pick a a favorite of them. I was really impressed by Emma Stone. I think after uh, a couple of years after an Oscar win that I don't mind, but think she's been a lot better. I think this is maybe her best performance. Uh, it's really fascinating that if she hadn't already won for La La Land... Mm-hmm. It's a real strong possibility she would have won for the favorite yes. just because it's she's so good and she's good in a way that I think most people didn't really know she had in her. Right. And that's like a very, you know, cool thing, especially if you're you're going for an Oscar. I also think she would have been put in lead if that were the case. Yes. Right. So, yeah. With then Olivia Coleman. Yeah. I yeah, I re I rewatched this last night as sort of a, a brush up for this and God, Emma Stone's scene with her, like, I'm on my side always speech is just incredible. That scene yep. is, like, the best piece of acting I think she's ever done. She's so good in that scene. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'll also shout out, I think my favorite thing about Lanthimos is his physical comedy. And I think that, you know, uh, Coleman kind of is giving a mostly stationary performance. But I think that Emma Stone and Rachel Weiss both get that really well. Uh, weirdly, both in scenes with Joe Alwyn, who is also getting that really well. Yeah. Vice also, yeah, I mean, that would probably be my pick of the three. I mean, it's, it truly is like, you could pick any of them, but like, she's so uh, just like cool in that movie as like this <laughs> like domineering presence. Yeah. It's been a while since I've seen The Favorite. I was going to try and watch it today, but didn't really have time. But yeah, that's a very... Uh, I mean, yeah, it's similar to Roma. It is like the pick of actress. Yeah, as soon as you said that that was a possibility, I was like, right. well, shit, someone's going to do yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah, go so ahead. it's down to me. It's your, your yeah. pick. What's your first okay. pick? So just to give a window into my strategy here, I feel like it's incumbent upon me to pick something where like I don't feel like I have a ton of strong options or like I can leave a category where I feel like oh any of these four I would be thrilled with or whatever and but then I don't want to like narrow my options too much if I like don't pick the golden lion now and then get stuck with something I don't want so um but with that being said I think I'm going to go with my screenplay pick right here. Okay. And pick, uh, and I'm going to go with the favorite as well, just because ah. there are movies that I really like 
on this lineup, on this Venice lineup, that I still mm-hmm. would be like, I don't know if that's my screenplay movie. Do you know what I mean? Right. Where it's, it's yeah. like, mm-hmm. I like First Man a lot, but like that's maybe not a screenplay movie. I like oh, Suspiria yeah. a lot. Maybe that's not a screenplay movie. Or at least like of all the things I would choose from that, I wouldn't right. choose the screenplay. And I feel like The Favorite is so well-written, well-plotted. The characters, those three main characters, plus the Holt character, are, like, really strongly drawn. Obviously, there are some really, like, super funny lines in it. And and it really, like, allows the actresses to, like, you know, bite into those characters, which is great. And, I mean, Lanthimos is a... He's a fantastic director overall, but, like, he's a really great uh, writer-director. And... Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, although this, this screenplay is uh, Deborah Davis, Tony McNamara... I don't think. Oh, is I, this not Lanthimos? I don't think he wrote, has a writing credit. Oh, I no. thought he, he doesn't have a credit. Of, yeah, I thought he doesn't he have a credit. Credited writers. That's interesting. Well, now yeah. I think very stupid. Well, and then uh, well, no. Tony McNamara then like went on to make the great. So like you sort of see some of that. Yes. I think in there. Okay. Um, yeah, I hey, think. Regardless, all the good things I said about the favorite. <laughs> no, yeah. Just yeah, not absolutely. Lanthimos specifically. Okay. Right. I definitely uh, remember like around this like award cycle, people sort of talking about how like Lanthimos because uh, it is like sort of different from his other movies like the other ones like uh, Killing of a Sacred Deer and um, Lobster sort of have a stilted dialogue but there was also like everyone was like no Lanthimos like isn't a credited writer but he's like they've like McNamara and Davis talked about that he had his hands like in the script and like like you were saying he is a like very great director writer so I think uh, he's definitely part of like the screenplay if he's not credited <laughs> So you shouldn't yeah. feel too, too bad, obviously. Yeah, and I think these two picks kind of make sense uh, with, like, the favorite might be my favorite movie in the competition, but I think that I agree that there aren't a ton of options in screenplay and there aren't a ton of options in actress, and it's a really strong option in both. All right, after some brief technical difficulties, we are back and ready for Cullen's first pick. All right, a pick that was too hot to handle for our recording. (laughs) Uh, So I uh, thought I would be going with like a very wild pick for my first pick, but I watched a movie last night that completely floored me and instantly jumped to the top of my rankings. And Mm. for my Golden Lion, I am picking Jennifer Kent's The Nightingale. Mm. What a movie. Um, you know, I don't know. Like, it's a pretty intense movie, like, uh, dealing with, like, trauma and assault in a way that I, like, personally am not, like, qualified in any way to talk about, like, the ramifications, like, of what happens in the movie. But it is such, like... Jennifer Gint's first movie was The Babadook. I mean, I guess I don't know if that was her first movie. Her previous movie was The Babadook, which is, like, just a pretty standard horror movie. And she mines tension in a similar way in The Nightingale, which is, like, not a straightforward horror movie, though it is, like, features, like, ghosts in a way. Uh, She mines tension in a similar way to where, like, in The Babadook, I feel like I watched it through my fingers just nervous, like, that something was going to jump out at me. 
and then in the nightingale you watch it through your fingers just out of fear of the worst like most right. barbaric thing happening to the characters yeah. in the movie and it, is it like, truly yeah. is like the <laughs> yeah the, the scariest demon of it all of them all is man like truly like in yeah, this I mean, movie yeah. <laughs> uh, like a truly like horrifying performance by sam claffin and um the leads in it i don't want to get too deep into because i feel like they'll be picked otherwise uh, in other places maybe but both mm-hmm. uh of the leads are like incredible and like like I said, it just completely floored me. I was like le- rendered speechless by the movie after seeing it. It's just like such an impactful thing. Um, and I, I there's a review on Letterbox by uh, I want to uh, I don't know uh, it was someone uh, Carol Grant is their name. They uh, compared the lead to Cheryl Lee in uh, Firewalk with Me. Like, oh wow! A similar performance of like trauma, which. Uh, didn't unlock the movie for me because it is like a very like clearly uh, effective performance by the lead. But I was like, oh, that is like a great uh, call, and I just like wanted to point that out because it like is similar territory as Firewalk with me. Obviously, less not campy, but like less lynchy in a way. But uh, yeah, it's just like an incredible movie. I mean, Andy and I were talking about it before we recorded. I don't know if you want to throw some thoughts in, Andy. Yeah, I think I mean it's just like it's very it's in, it's like incredibly gripping. It's 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 surprisingly fast-paced, I would say. It's like 2 hours and 50 minutes, but it really goes by very quickly. Uh it's uh, obviously it's full of like horrors and like I gasp and like put my hand to my mouth several times in that it's like all but it's all like rooted in such like reality of like this is like the real like horror of the actual world that actually exists. Um yeah, I think it's a really tremendous uh, filmmaking achievement. Uh, I think all the performances are great. Uh, the style is good. It's filmed in the Academy ratio, which is always really yes. cool to see. Uh, yeah, just a really... Yeah. It, 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 it was also my first time watching it in prep for this, and it, it yeah, it was my, like, number two, like, shot up to that. Like, it's it's a really, like, just heart-stoppingly great movie. Yeah. It and had been on my list to watch for a while, because obviously it's been on Hulu for a f- at least a few yeah. weeks now, maybe even a couple months. Um, yeah. And everything I had heard about it was just like, because it's, I mean, most of the people were just like good. Some people were sort of more waffling on it. But the d- predominant thing was just like, it's so intense. Like, mm-hmm, yeah. beware. Like, you can't, it's not just like, you know, even for like, because obviously coming from the Babadook, there's you know horror expectations and like even with the expectation of that people were just like it's for real and yeah but i'm glad that i i finally was was given the impetus to sit down and fully watch it and it's yeah it's unforgettable yeah yeah the uh just quickly on the ratio it reminded me a bit of uh kelly reichardt's meek's cutoff which is also shot in that similar ratio i don't know like exactly like the time period of meek's cutoff but i know uh Nightingale is like 1825 in uh, like sort of Australia at the time. And um, it like the Meeks cutoff is like these grand like Western vistas, but in this closed cropped aspect ratio that really like shows the power of Reichardt. And I think Kent like captures a similar power in these like woods and uh, mountains in Australia with this cropped aspect ratio. And like it's a gorgeous looking movie. Uh, but yeah, like it, incredibly, incredibly intense. Like I totally get why people would be thrown off by it. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Nightingale. So now we're on to Andy. All right. Um, 
I think I am going to start with... Hmm, I will start with... Um, the best director, I think, is where I'll start. Uh, and I will... I think I will just, just sort of echo along like a lot of what Amelia was saying. I'm going to give it to Alfonso Cuaron for Roma. I mean, it's like the obvious most director pick, right? Like, it's such a directed movie. He, you know, ever the whole thing was like, oh, you gotta listen to this guy's sound design, like, all this stuff. Yeah. But, like, I think the way that, like, the way that that movie is, like, it chooses to tell that story of, like, that woman in that, who, like, has that life, but tells it with all, like, the epic grandness that it can muster is, like, the real, like, coup of that movie that really makes it something special, I think. And so I yeah. think just, like, recognizing that directorial achievement is, like, is, is something that I really want to do on my slate. So so I'll, I'll, I'll take that pick. To be able to confer that level of import on, like, a car driving into a driveway. Oh, my God. Is, all, yeah. You know what I mean? Or just, like, the way that, like, I know this is a little bit more, like, obviously portentous, but, like, the the waves in that scene where she's got to go into the, mm-hmm. the water to bring the kid back. And, like, just the sound design on the waves from, like, off screen were, like, the, well before those even become... A part of that scene it's just like why is this so ominous why am i so stressed out it's just it's right. so good yeah yeah all right and then um for my the unless I, does anyone else have anything to say i I'll, or i'll make my second pick no um, I, I have gotten all my roma picks out there. great uh <laughs> for my second pick i think i am going to yeah i'll go for best actress actually and i am going to uh take for my out of competition pick i'm gonna say lady gaga in um uh, star is born i was Um, waiting for this to happen yeah i know (laughs) uh she's She's so damn good in that movie. I was like, I was very skeptical of that whole enterprise and her in particular. Like, I I did I didn't watch the American Horror Story season that she was on or whatever. But I sort of you know she won a Golden Globe, but like that seemed like just the Golden Globes doing their thing. Uh, but she, I was really blown away by her performance in this movie. I think the way that she yeah. like and I, and I think I'll you know I I I do want to say like a lot of first like early first time actresses and stuff you do want to give like a lot of credit to like the director and stuff but i do think she deserves a lot of credit for like how in the moment she is able to be in that movie and how much she is like in there and like listening with bradley cooper in her scenes uh obviously her singing and her performances of the songs are terrific uh i think it's just yeah a really knockout performance in that movie that i was not expecting and, and really blew blew me away and so that's my uh that's my second pick i will say um American Horror Story is not a uh, proper precursor for sure. <laughs> Star is Born. Like I feel like you don't need to have seen uh, American Horror Story to to be prepared for what she is delivering in A Star mm-hmm. is Born. So yeah. I think you're good there. Great. The uh, <laughs> I mention it every time A Star is Born is brought up in conversation. The scene where she sings Lavie and Rose is like one of my favorite things from a movie from this year. It's so so good. Think about it all the time. Yeah. Yep. Second pick for me now. Yep. Yeah. I'm gonna go ahead and go with my 
Silver Lion with an, another movie I watched for the first time very recently. I watched it earlier today. It's uh, Orson Welles' The Other Side of the Wind. It is also my out-of-competition pick. Uh, very, I uh, had not seen an Orson Welles movie up until like three days ago, and I watched <laughs> Citizen Kane and Jesus. F for Fake back-to-back. <laughs> I felt like wow. that was a good crash course for Other Side of the Wind, and I was pretty much right. Like It's a similar vibe to F, uh, F for Fake where it's like not choppy, but it's like this very quick-cutting, uh, movie because it's all it's like a found footage movie basically where Wells just had all these like film students running camera as they're like shooting scenes with uh, Peter Bogdanovich and John Huston and it just never stops cutting <laughs> and it uh, I just was like not floored by it in a way like I was by the Nightingale but it is like an electrifying movie that like doesn't really stop and you have this like dynamite John Huston performance that I was like not really prepared for, but he's like so captivating in it, and uh, I just thought it was really great. Like I, I'm a new convert to Wells, but like I feel like obviously he's very good at making movies, and even this one that is like made <laughs> posthumously, just chopped together from footage that he directed at the, at the time. It feels like such a a young man's movie, even though it's like from the end of his career, and you could just like tell. Like I mean, I don't know, like. He he! If he kept making movies, like I would be so curious to see what it was because this is so energetic and different than like uh, Citizen Kane and like more following that effort fake style. Um, and Peter Bogdanovich has a scene where they're like clearing out this party, and he just keeps like doing bits like to camera, and it's so funny. Uh, but yeah, really great stuff. Another Netflix movie, just like Roma. I'm gonna say that's an extremely Colin pick. I mean, hey. just just some just <laughs> throwing out some random movie from the seventies, basically, but as an actual thing <laughs> that you can pick in this draft. I'm as surprised as you were. I was like, I watch it this, like when I get off work this morning, and I watch it. And I was like, this is incredible. But yeah, yeah. other side of the wind. Yeah, yeah. I, nice. I like the idea of you just pulling out your notebook a couple of days ago and being like, Orson Welles, I really got to check this guy <laughs> <I> out. <know>. <laughs> For when I plug Citizen Kane at the end of the podcast. <laughs> yeah good movie <laughs> nice so now we're back to joe for a second oh yes okay good so um i'm glad this movie fell to me i'm this is my golden lion pick i i had three movies that i felt strongly enough about that i wanted them to be my golden lion and two are not available to me Mm-hmm. now and this one i watched for the first time for this podcast it was another one that was like hanging on my list and i was just like it's long do i really like i could watch wow. other things or whatever and i'm so glad i did because it's so incredibly good and like wildly applicable to current uh mo our, our current sort of moment and that is mike lee's peterloo ah. and it's so good like that yeah. mike lee you guys he can make I know. a movie and it's one it's of those a, things where it's like you think you know the mike lee vibe i haven't i've by no means seen all of the mike lee movies but mm-hmm. i've seen a bunch of them and you feel like you sort of know the mike lee vibe where it's sort of just like it's these very like incredibly lived in performances and um not necessarily like all just sort of like domestic dramas or whatever but or even just like comedies um but like very sort of like close to home stuff and like the stuff in peterloo in the uh, last half hour of that movie when he's filming 
the the massacre the riot and it's just these like long takes in the sprawling um sort of like very incredibly sort of you know wide scope kind of a thing and you're seeing everything going on and just like the app the the what it would have taken to bring that all together and it's just like i didn't it's not that i didn't know mike lee had it in him because like obviously he's great but it's just like Mm -hmm. it's something i don't think i had seen before from him and it's so applicable to current Mm -hmm. times it's just like Mm -hmm. it's incredible i'm surprised that it didn't get more i know i remember like i remember seeing like david sims really loved it and emily Ashida really loved it right but, like i'm surprised more people didn't like bang the drum for it because yeah it's fantastic Amazon really it's botched a fantastic the release, movie. i feel like yeah yeah it had like a weird release where it did it was at can no it was it at, played tiff it wasn't it can it, it was at it, Venice, it and then then it, it, right and it's reportedly it rejected from can Wow, and, which and has happened it, yeah. to Lee before, right? I think. And then Amazon and then, held it for like March or April, and like yeah. gave it like a boring release. I think, yeah. And, like, yeah, yeah. It's I so like, funny because Amazon had that one really good year with Manchester by the Sea, where it's just mm-hmm, like Amazon right. has figured it out. They right. are the streaming mm-hmm. platform that has figured out how to do feature films, and then everything after that has been and part of it is like the movies haven't been great, like the Linkletter movie and whatever. But it's just right. like. They've had good movies. They've had, you know, Peter Loon. Obviously, mm-hmm. Suspiria is another one when we're talking about this festival. And it's just like they've either whatever, like, magic dust they had that they figured it out, they don't have it anymore. And it's just right. like a Netflix. Netflix, meanwhile, has sort of, like, figured out a way to thread the needle and, you know, jumped past them in terms of uh, feature film stuff. But I don't know. Yeah. That's a whole Yeah, threading the needle is a good way to describe it because, like, now Netflix can do both for, like, the Irishman and Mary story can become memes fodder on Twitter and also get yep. awards. And Amazon exactly. movies can't get either. Right. Yep, exactly. Am- yep. Amazon's weird. Tw- the, the Amazon Prime Twitter's weird commitment to Adam Driver thirst tweets really weirds me out. Mm. Considering that the Adam Driver <laughs> movies that are on Prime are Patterson and The Report, which are not very hot Adam Driver <laughs> movies. Listen. Hey. It- they're all Pat- hot Adam Driver movies, as far as Patterson. Listen, Patterson with that dog wearing that bus driver's uniform. <laughs> the dog. <laughs> oh man. I was gonna say, Joe. I'm only upset with this pick because I was gonna pick it for Silver Lion. I saw also, your reaction, uh, and I was just yeah. like, I got him. Ha. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I am also a big Peter Lou fan. That movie rules. It's it just it's two and a half hours of speeches, and then ends with mm-hmm. one of. Again, talking about the Nightingale, talking about how like the greatest villain is man. The ending of Peter Lewis. A lot of that, and it's real wild, and it's really yep. exciting for how hard it is to watch. Also, and there's just like yeah. a lot of brutal yep. stuff in there. And I'm that's a good. I think that yeah, that's the only Mike Lee movie I've watched. So I have a weird relationship to him, and I need to watch more of it. But I love that movie. Yeah, it's real good. It's yeah. All right. All right. I was uh, rushing on Letterboxd to figure out which of two movies Emilio might be more likely to take. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Poor Emilio. (laughs) But I think... He picked the number one spot. He had another thing. I mean, yeah, sure. I think I have two picks in mind for my next two pick. And I think the one that is more vulnerable is Chazelle in director for First Man, uh, which I kind of feel like is another pretty obvious director pick. It's a very 
directed movie. It's a, it's actually a movie that, for whatever reason, I missed at TIFF, I missed in theaters, and then did not see until we were preparing for this podcast. Uh, and I, I quite liked it. It, it feels like it's, the, the, I guess the thing I really liked about it is that it manages to be both like this big space movie while also being almost feeling like a takeoff on Only Angels Have Wings, the Hawks movie, which is about the kind of, that's about uh, aircraft pilots, not uh, space pilots, but it's about the kind of, just how hard it is to be with someone who has that job, a job that dangerous. And so it, it does a good, it, it weaves those two things together pretty well. And yeah, it just, it looks great. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. I mean, that's, like, that's not a movie I a hundred percent love. So you might have picked, you might have been better off picking something else if you wanted Maybe. to fully. Maybe I don't. I actually don't know me. that you love either of these movies. I was thinking about. But I, I have come to enjoy. Like when I first saw it, I was cold on it, and I have come to appreciate it more and more. Like over the years, and like continuing our references of past blank check guests that we follow on Twitter. Emma Stefanski had a really good take on it on Twitter that made me connect with like the coldness of it more. That it's a movie about. Like devoting your entire life to something that you think is good and important, and then it just like not giving it to you at all, mm-hmm. and just feeling like there's nothing to be gained from another experience sort of that. And I think that's sort of what Chazelle's career has been like leading up to and building up to of just like movies about people who just have to thread this needle between home life and work yeah. life, and just mm-hmm. finding satisfaction in neither of them and feeling lot wistful and lost. And I think that is a good. That is a very good movie about that, and of course it has like a gorgeous score. That oh, mm-hmm. yeah. Did it weirdly not get nominated, or it did, did not it? get nominated at the Oscars? No, that is such a insane snub. It's such a good yeah. score. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's another one that I rewatched. Uh, I watched it like literally like an hour before mm-hmm. we uh, started recording. Mm-hmm. Um, it was one I was super hot on, like out of theaters and like over the years, like. It had been at the top of like my 2018 list, and I softened a little bit on it this time. But I think like what you guys are saying is like what I do love about it, and like how uh, Chazelle's like previous movie is like not gaudy, but it's like pretty like bright and like colorful, and like it's like this big studio musical uh, yeah. like homage, and this mm-hmm. is like surprisingly like austere for a space movie, and it's just like it is like cold and like brutal sometimes, like when the uh, like fire malfunction happens and you just see the door like crumble in it's like so intense and uh, yeah. much like the Lavie and Rose scene in uh, <clears throat> A Star is Born the scene where Gosling and uh, Christopher Abbott are like they're docking the ship and it's mm-hmm. playing like this piece of music called the docking waltz it's like one of my favorite things and I just Hurwitz's score like we were saying is just so incredible but yeah great pick Mm-hmm. Thank you, Amelia. Okay, so now I have two picks back to back. So let's see what I will do. So I feel like actress is maybe a little limited because Jesse took all of them. So <laughs> <laughs> I will go for 
an actress an actress I like. In a movie that I'm a little mixed on, I saw it for, I just finished seeing it just for, for the purposes of this podcast. I had not seen it before, but I'm going to take Dakota Johnson in Suspiria. She was on my list. Who, She's definitely on my list. Yeah. It's like, obviously with like, not spo- fully spoiling the movie, but that performance hinges on you not being completely sure how canny she is of what is ha- happening in the movie and just like, her control over whether she's just like a pawn or whether she knows what's happening and like if she letting herself be manipulated and i think she is incredible at that dakota johnson might be good at that in real life considering some of the clips you see over online she is one of my favorite people and i think that's a great performance in a movie that i'm kind of met on She's fantastic. She's fantastic in that movie. Like yeah. her whole career is just this series of people not seemingly not getting it with her and i was just and i'm always and i don't i don't love the 50 shades movies it's not i know there are some people who are like yeah. secret masterpiece and it's like nah, i'm not there but like she's really good in them and mm-hmm. the like even like her saturday night live performance i thought she was really funny and like there's just she is able to shout do out so to all my more. ben and kate fans out there yes ben and kate she was great in that show so good so good yes absolutely <laughs> A bigger splash, yep. also. Yes, she's fantastic in a bigger. That that she can hang with those other actors in that movie is like testament in and of itself. It's it's great. Yeah. Yeah, she she's great. And for my second pick, what should I go as my second pick? It's a big choice. I might just go best director, Michael Lee. I think the I think the stuff that that movie's pulling off it would yeah. be hard for me to imagine a director who maybe could do it cuz it's like he's taking all of these long scenes of speeches and he's making them incredibly compelling and I think they're they're very obviously very well written speeches but he's obviously very, doing a very good job at modulating the performances so to people who seem incredibly charismatic and incredibly good at speaking and like getting these points out across about like class and class warfare are very good at that and all of the and he makes the con like he makes the regular people seem regular in a way that i don't think any other director really does i think he captures like their weird hesitancy to listen to somebody who thinks like who seems like they know too much but also they are smart enough to recognize what the movement is and what it's about and to fight yeah. for what's right. And I think that that's an incredibly difficult thing to pull off. Yeah. Peter. Hmm? Wait, Colin, did, did you end up watching Peter? Uh, yeah, I watched it when we did our 2019 jury. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Good, I, I, mean, yeah. I, I was just forgetting. It's a good movie. It is, yeah. I'm a Mike Lee fan. <laughs> <laughs> Great. All right, Jesse. then. Jesse. Yeah, so fortunately, I've not been scooped. I am going <laughs> to finally take my golden lion there. <laughs> Weirdly, there are two, I think, perfectly good golden lion picks that are available to the field, but not available to me because I've taken mm. them in other categories. And so what I will take I guess, yeah. for the golden lion is... The Ballad of Buster Scruggs, which I feel like I have to take mm-hmm. as our resident Cohen Stan. <laughs> it's a movie that I watched. Uh, I remember 
I'll say I think the part of the reason why we picked 2018 Venice as a draft to do is that it was right before the first Toronto that we all went to, uh, and I remember being very mad that <laughs> Ballad of Buster Scruggs was picked <laughs> for Venice and then skipped Toronto, uh, I guess to be a U.S. Uh, a North American premiere at uh, New York Film Festival yeah. or something. Sure. Uh, yeah. Uh, but yeah, fortunately, it was in the period where Netflix was doing a decent job of putting stuff into theaters. Uh, I saw it in the theater that they usually use in DC. Is this little tiny theater that Landmark bought mostly for second run movies with, uh, like you know, 20 seats in each room and a couple little mm. tiny screens. But I did get to see it on, in a theater, at least. Uh, and I then immediately the next day went and watched it uh, on the dearly departed Rabbit with some friends because oh, yeah. I yeah. had no idea what to make of it. Uh, but it has settled very well for me, I think. Yeah, I mean, I think that the last segment of the movie does a great job of tying together what is four other great stories and one starring James Franco. It's eh, whatever. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, Stephen Root's good in that one, at least. Yes, he is. Oh my Franco. god, his his voice work in that in that segment is so good. Mm -hmm. uh, I yeah, I saw that one. It, I didn't. I saw Buster Scruggs on Netflix like around when it came out, and then. Hadn't revisited until, yes, last night. And I put it on while I was, like, working on my list for this, so I wasn't giving it my full attention. But I did, it did grow a lot for me on second viewing. I, I do appreciate a lot more. That last segment especially really grew for me a lot the second time, mm -hmm. once I had, like, more of a handle of what was even going on there. Um, yeah, it's 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 a it's a really good movie. It'd probably be, like, midpoint in my Coen's rankings. I'm far from a Coen's completionist at this point. Uh, but, uh, but, yeah, it's a really good movie. And if it's their last, like, I think it is, like, an interesting one for them to go out on. Yeah, I mean, I, I am a Cohen's completionist, and it's probably also around the middle of my list, but I think the middle of the list for the Cohen's is a pretty good spot. That's a good spot be. on the yeah, list. Yeah, 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 for sure. <laughs> Alright, I think back to Joe now. Alright, so I'm going to make my actress pick. So after the three favorite uh, women were taken, mm -hmm. I was like, well, there's two left on my list that I really want. And then Emilio took one of them, being Dakota Johnson. <laughs> so I am grabbing onto uh, mm -hmm. this pick. So I, I have a Best Actress. Best Actress is very important to me, and I need a good Best Actress. <laughs> I feel like I need to... I feel like I should apologize to Colin ahead of time, because uh -oh. I see the background. I see the, the fandom. <laughs> No apologies necessary. <laughs> I'm taking Natalie Portman and Vox Lux. Wow. wow. This I, love, is. I love Natalie Portman and Vox Lux. Yes. She's doing so much. She gives and gives and gives. I absolutely adore it. The accent is bananas. I love bananas. Like, it's so... Uh, I love Natalie Portman anyway. And like I like this coming on the heels of Jackie is just like mwah, it's perfect. It's just oh God. It's a, I just this, won the draft, basically. This is the greatest <laughs> gift you could have given Colin. Is someone else liking an element of Vox Lux. Uh, I mean <laughs> She's so good. She's so she's funny. So uh. and yes. 
Yeah, I mean, I don't know what else to say. Like, it's just like every time she'll snap her gum in that movie, I'm just like an angel gets his wings. As far as I'm concerned, yeah, <laughs> great. Yeah, uh, I'm so happy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I will say, incredible. I, I mean, yeah, yeah. Do you have? Do you want to say something? No, about please, those? please. Okay, I, I, I'm not a fan of that movie in any way, shape, or form. I do think like a couple of the standout scenes are standout scenes because of Portman. That scene with her, basically the duets of her with. In the when she's getting interviewed by the journalist, uh, and then the scene with her in the diner with her daughter, yeah. I think those are both really, really like can't take your eyes off them scenes in a movie that I think is lacking in that otherwise. Um, uh, Plus, it has... completes the Natalie Portman Jude Law trilogy of Cold <laughs> Mountain, Closer, and now Vox Lux, three films that absolutely are in dialogue with each other, as far as I'm concerned. So, yeah. <laughs> I mean. And, and I will just say as a hater, Andy is correct in that that first scene with the interview is very good and she is good in it. Yeah. Um, just to, I mean, maybe I'll wait until I pick Vox Lux later. I mean, it is my, <laughs> I'm going to pick Brady Corbet as my director. <laughs> Amazing. Uh, Amazing. Fantastic. So yeah, we, uh, as Jesse mentioned, we were all at TIFF 2018. Uh, I think we all saw Vox Lux this, together. Yeah, this is one of the ones uh, that we all saw at the same screening. At Roy, at big Roy Thompson and, Hall uh, screening. The morning. I think like coming out Immediately of it, after most of us had seen Beale Street, I believe. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. It was, uh, it was, That's amazing. Didn't do it favors in that regard. But I will say, <laughs> I was definitely like the hottest on it coming out um, of the theater, like between the three of us and our other friend who was there. And I was all, and now I, you're on fire, baby. I mean, yeah. I, I rewatched it for the podcast because, like, uh, it has not been like a meme, but like I like some of the songs in it, and I like mentioned like Vox Lux isn't terrible, guys. It's not that bad. And I watched it like a few, maybe a week or so ago, and like fully loved it. I think it is like a great movie. I think uh, I Childhood of a Leader. I think also is pretty good. This is more fun than that, obviously, and I think. Um, Brady Corbet is like a talented director to get uh, like the stylization of the movie gets compared to Lars Venturi a lot. And people like to say that as like a negative that he's just like bargain basement Lars Venturi. But I think uh, much like my, <laughs> the last draft where I picked the neon demon as a fave, uh, a pale imitation of some of my favorites is still like a great thing. And <laughs> he, the, the stylization of like, the narration by Willem Dafoe. I think it is an incredibly funny movie. I think it has a lot to say about how people react to tragedy by turning to celebrities. And I think that, uh, like Joe, he picked Natalie Portman. She's great. Uh, that is like a very bold performance to be given. And like Brady, obviously, like liked what she was doing and let her do it. And uh, <laughs> I think uh, the weird thing about this movie, though, is we uh, there is not like a lot known about it going in um and at the beginning of the movie there is a school shooting and the school shooter's name is cullen active and my name is cullen Ashley. and it was like a very shocking thing for oh a name wow that it's like not usually in movies i was like oh that's almost my exact name yeah it's a school oh shooter. wow but still that aside it's a great movie brady corbett is a great director and uh Eventually, everyone will come around to Vox Lux, and uh, <laughs> the stands will rise. <laughs> it's so yeah. funny. You guys mentioning seeing this together made me go and open up my uh, 
my Tiffer app to see what else I saw that day at TIFF because mm-hmm. that was my first. That was like the nine o'clock in the morning screening, which like wow. Wow. you're. I don't care what you're saying. You're not prepared for Vox Lux at no. nine o'clock in the morning <laughs> no, at all. It's not I don't care how much movie. Tim Hortons you've had like to get yourself <laughs> perked up. Um, but that was the movie I saw right before I. Uh, turned my ankle and fell down the stairs at Boy Erased. Oh, and then oh no. subsequently hobbled my way across <laughs> from the Scotiabank to the um, the Winter Garden to see Can You Ever Forgive Me? And it was wow. an ordeal. What a day. What a day. What a day. <laughs> yeah. That's uh, only, only in Toronto. Yeah. Those two places <laughs> aren't close to each other. They sure know. <laughs> I, 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 I will say, we, Chris, my, uh, Chris File, my podcast co-host, we mm-hmm. eventually hopped into a cab. and But just like getting up the stairs, the stairwell oh, at Winter Garden to where my seat was, was... Did you time. get like medical attention eventually? <laughs> was it... No, because I was in I was in Canada and I was just like I don't want to oh. spend like I mean nothing against the Canadian health system, <laughs> but I didn't want to spend half of the day of my TIFF sure yeah. right. to get my ankle looked at when I was like I know I'm sure I'm I think it was probably worse off than I probably and I probably should have but like it was a sprain and whatever so I like. Sure. My, you know, somebody went and got me an ace bandage and I like wrapped it up and whatever and just limped for the rest of that festival. But yeah. wow. I think, not to go on another tangent, but I think the day that we saw Vox Lux while waiting for Bill Street, it was like a rainy, cold morning and Emilio had an umbrella that literally like cartoonishly turned inside out with the wind. And I remember laughing so hard. <laughs> just like a, a thing I've never seen before. No, yeah, that's yeah. it's a sight when that happens for sure. Yeah, I mean, I'll tell my Vox Lux story, which is that <laughs> while everyone else was seeing if Beale Street could talk, I had a ticket to see Jody Max The Grand Bazaar, the uh, experimental animated film, and had the time wrong by an hour. Oh, no. So Vox Lux was the first movie that I saw <laughs> that day. Uh, but then I, I went. I, I believe I was sitting next to uh, our past guest uh, Ben Claflin from the Southland Tales episode, and he leaned over to me after the movie was over. And Cullen referenced this, but said, uh, "Well, I guess that's not too bad for Kmart Lars von Trier." So, uh, <laughs> as our resident Lars von Trier fan, I guess I will. Uh, Congratulate you, Cullen, for this pick. Vox Lux, forever innocent. I mean, yeah. yeah. Also, I mean, Brady Corbet was in my screenplay line as well. I think it's a very fun script. But we'll move on, Andy. Great, thank you for that. Uh, my picks will never. From that one. Yeah, I am not picking Vox Lux in any categories. I have to say that's not in my consideration. Um, all right, so I am going to start with. I should start with my Golden Lion, and I guess. Due to like people picking it other places, it's still on the board. I'm gonna take the favorite because yep. uh, talk about a fun ass movie. Like it's mm-hmm. so wild and so crazy. Uh, I mean, it's it is like Yorgos for the masses a little bit in that it's like you know it's not as like weird and off putting as uh, Killing of a Sacred Deer. I think I like and uh, the lobster. I think I like Killing of a Sacred Deer a little more, but I, it's still like a really good movie. Um, Obviously, the three performances are incredible. I think, I think the like, I think uh, Nicholas Holt is really good in it too. Like, I've, everyone in it, I think, is really good. Nicholas um, great. Yeah, yeah. Um, the, all the all the wigs are great. Like all the all the makeup and everything. 
Um, the use of, like, all the fisheye lenses and everything is, like, yeah. so cool and really good. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's just a great movie about uh, a bunch of scheming ladies, uh, and uh, what's not to like about that? Exactly, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's a great pick. I love that okay. that just sort of, like, fell to you. All of a sudden. I, just, yeah. I, that's, uh, yeah. I guess the beauty of doing mm-hmm. this system is just, like... Right. The way it worked out, perfect, yeah. perfect for you. Um, yeah, I am. I am not. No complaints for me on that front. Um, and then for my next pick, um, I think I am going to go screenplay, and I think I'm going to pick Jennifer Kent for The Nightingale, uh, just because um, that movie. Uh, is really well crafted and really well structured. Um, it, you know, it, there, it's, I think there's so much like, it has this really great like road trip sort of frame to hang it around, but like obviously there's so much more than that. Uh, I think the way that she's able to define the characters is really good. There's, there's some really good like speeches and, you know, it's a, it's a really great opportunity for like a lot of actors to give like speeches about a lot of stuff in that movie. Um, you really, the characters are all defined so starkly and so, like, clearly so quickly. Like, you get a sense for who every character is, uh, every, every step of the way. Uh, and I do think it, like, it handles that central relationship, uh, between, um, the, the main, uh, character, uh, I'm blanking on everyone's name. Claire? Yeah, Claire, and then, um... Billy? And Billy, yeah, Claire and Billy. That relationship is, like, so tricky, to even, like, begin to sort of explore, like, what is, like, the power dynamic between them, and, like, like, there's so much going on there, and I think it really just nails, like, this is what their relationship is, this is what their relationship can be, like, this is what, this is what the circumstances that they're in, and also, like, what their inherent beliefs about, like, their, their level of power and all that, that's, and, like, the level of injustice that they have faced and all that allows them to be. There's just so much in those characters in the, and in that relationship that, like, centering the story on those two characters, I think, is just so well done, and I think that's, like, re- really what is special about that movie. Yeah. Well picked. Thank you. On to me. Back on to you, Cullen. All right. Keep in mind, uh, you've gonna, already picked Vox Lux. So you can't pick it I know, again. Yeah. I, I did not mention uh, that Jude Law is also great in Vox Lux. I just want to get that out there. Um, but speaking of Jude Law, I will pick my actor. And I'm First actor go, pick. No one's picked an actor yet. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go uh, with another, like, uh, similar to Jesse's Three Ladies from the Favorite. I'm going Joaquin Phoenix and John C. Riley from the Sisters Brothers. Damn, that was my mm. next pick. Not not uh not Riz or Jake. Uh, I mean, I don't want to pick all four. <laughs> I, I I know that like they're I guess off the board technically. Um, but I do love like their relationship in the movie as well. But I think specifically John C. Riley and Joaquin Phoenix play off of each other in a way that I don't know if I would have expected going in. Um, and I think that was the same year as Stan and Ollie where John C. Riley also had, like, a surprising turn of, like, a pair where people were like, John C. Riley, like, don't forget about him. He's, like, the real he had a bun- Yeah, I think he had, like, three or four movies that year. That was a big John yeah. C. Riley year. Yeah. Uh, but this is a movie similar to Vox Lux that, like, I saw. I didn't see it at TIFF. Uh, I saw it, like, when it came out that October or whatever. Um, and I uh, was, like, pretty warm on it. Um, and it's grown for me a lot. And when I rewatched it for the purposes of this, 
I like thought it was really great, and I think uh, I had read the book, the Patrick DeWitt book, before the movie came out, just in anticipation. But uh, they play to each other's strengths so well, and like Joaquin Phoenix, I know he's like a controversial actor, I guess now because of his Oscar win, and um, people don't—he's like a little too hammy for some, I guess. But he underplays everything in a way, and like plays everything as um, like humorously that like. I haven't seen from him in a while, even though I guess like the master and uh, inherent vice is very funny. I don't know what I'm talking about, but he, um, that movie is so like genteel in a way where like it is this Western, but it is so low key and almost like an anti-Western and they are like the epitome of like, not like your traditional cowboys where walking Phoenix is like a drunkard and John C. Riley is just like a sap who like pays prostitutes or sex workers to, um, just like be nice to him and give them give him uh dolls uh but i think like he's like such like uh for lack of a uh, lack of a better word he plays someone very sweet in that movie and while they are killers and he like punches a corpse at the end that is like what the movie is is that it is like this dark sort of bleak movie that is also very sweet and it's underlying and i think both of those performances sort of epitomize that theme of the movie yeah, I mean, cool. I think they, I think they did great too. But I also would have picked it if it had felt fallen to me. Um, I am a person who Joaquin Phoenix is often too hammy for, but I think he's good in the Sisters Brothers. I think he's like decent. Uh, like, I think him and John C. Riley are good picks together because I think they complement each other very well in that moment. And what, and just Joaquin having somebody who is there to like side of sort of call him on his shit, but also be slightly scared of him and also be, I don't know. John C. Riley is, might be my favorite performance out of this entire crop. Maybe I think he's very good in that movie and yeah. he, he, it's certainly a deserved pick and he's a always good. John C. Riley, the God. Yeah. All right. Back to Joe. Back to me. Okay. Um, so I've got Silver Lion, I've got Director, Actor, and Emerging. I think I'm going to do a Silver Lion for mm-hmm. Roma. I feel like I want Roma, obviously, somewhere, and I feel like this is this is the right place for that, with Quaron not available to me as Director. Yeah, I mean, it, I mean, we've we've spoken about it a lot. Roma's fantastic. Roma's an interesting movie because I remember a lot of the sort of chatter about it when it first came out, and obviously it was on Netflix. And the idea was, is it going to play in living rooms on laptops? Like, are people going to give it? Uh, is it going to be captivating for people when they're you're not sort of like in a theater? And obviously the first time I saw it, I was in a theater. But then I watched it again just on my computer at work. Like literally I was going to be writing something about it. So I was just like, I'm just going to watch it at work again. And I was so even maybe I think I might have even liked it better the second time watching it. It's just it's it's such a good enough movie that it like completely blocked everything out and I just like I was so dialed in, and I thought that was such a testament to what a strong movie that was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know. I don't. I feel like I feel like there's not a there's not a whole ton else I can add to the Roma discussion. We've we've you know. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. We like it. It's good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good movie. Yeah. We'll watch again, definitely. Yeah. You got to watch it on a Netflix app on a Nintendo 3DS next. <laughs> 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 All right. Well, I was fully prepared to take... I think my plan was to just take John C. Riley. actually. Uh, Cullen suggested that uh, him taking uh, Riley and Phoenix takes Riz Ahmed and Jake Gyllenhaal off the board, though, which I don't think I agree with. And right. so I'm gonna I'm gonna take them because I think they are also fantastic in this movie uh, as this kind of parallel pair who really have their own story. Uh, I haven't seen Sister Brothers since it came out, but I remember being, with the exception that maybe John C. Riley was my favorite of the cast, pretty equally impressed with everyone in this movie. Yeah. Uh, all four. They're almost all four leads. You could make an argument for Gyllenhaal and Ahmed in either lead or supporting, I think. They, pro- they definitely get a little less screen time, but they mm-hmm. very much have their own story, and, uh, yeah, they are they are two excellent actors. Love to see Jake Gyllenhaal in anything. You know, he's yeah. if he's if he's on the board for actor, he's always going to be high on the list. Whether he's doing uh, Okja or not Okja. Yeah, <laughs> this is a much more uh, toned down performance than Okja, but I think equally uh, impressive for like someone who I mean, as he as he like keeps doing more performances like the sack lunch bunch where he's just like mm-hmm. you know all out there uh yep. sisters brothers is like yeah on like on the similar sort of uh, vibe of that movie where he's like this sort of uh i guess like a dandy almost and like this old west time he's like a very right, I was, gentle guy yeah i was gonna say whether it be uh Okja or Prisoners, and I remember that he's doing a whole lot in Prisoners, too. He's doing yeah, a lot yeah. in Prisoners, yeah. Yeah. And Riz Ahmed, also great. I think when I read the book, yeah. for both pairs, I had the roles reversed. So, like, when I saw mm-hmm. the movie, like, I had to, like, calibrate a little bit. But Riz Ahmed also, like, very, very good in that role. I think, like, the year after The Night Of, which is just, like, another that incredible role right. from him. Yep. I mean, if I had to rank those performances, I would go Riley, Ahmed, Phoenix, Gyllenhaal, maybe. But I think they're all good. I think Ahmed is a great actor who hasn't, who need, I he needs a couple more chances because obviously, like mm-hmm. Venom isn't it. But yes. sound of metal, though. <laughs> People like the. Sound but of I metal. think he's got great eyes. I think he's always very watchable, and I think he, he he's a hard person to look at on screen and not root for, which again yeah. is what makes his. Venom role very confusing and strange. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. Right, I think I, I'm I think I might just keep this rolling and I'm gonna take the Sister Brothers in screenplay. I might I I think it's a good screenplay. I think what is good about that movie is those four performances and I think they play with those four sort of archetypes of people and just like they're pairing up. And I think they give them enough time and very good lines to, like, 
very intelligently work through what their perspective is, the sort of way that they relate to each other, why they would find friendship and comfort in each other. I think that is what I find incredibly compelling about the Ahmed Gyllenhaal part of just like these two people who who just hope and think that there might be a better way down here than what there actually is. So they're so they're willing to take weird chances that they know are dangerous and just like the Riley Joaquin pair of just like being stuck to somebody you sadly love and just like the feeling I think John C. Riley has a pretty devastating monologue towards the end about how Joaquin Phoenix's character killed their dad and he oh. thinks that he's the older brother so he should have been the one who who should have done it. Yeah. And I think that is such a quiet, really quiet moment for a movie that can be very loud and actiony to give John C. Riley and a perform and like an element of performance I had never seen him give, even though he's given a lot of great performances. And I got to shout out the screenplay for that, even though it obviously based on what Cullen said, it's based on a great, very good book. Yeah. But yeah, that is what will stick with me with the sisters brothers. There's just a lot of quiet moments between two guys that I thought would just be like. I thought it would be quippier, and it turns out to be a lot more sincere than you think yeah. it's going to be. And I mm-hmm. appreciated that about that movie a lot. Yeah. So then, so what do I have left? I have Silver Lion. Best actor and emerging best, actor. Best actor and emerging actor. I think I need to go Silver Lion because I do not want to stuck, be stuck with a movie that I do not like as my Silver Lion by just <laughs> do- dodging around a lot of things. But let me see what I want as my Silver Lion. What here would be a decent pick for it? I might just go with... I guess I've forgotten what... Okay, let me see what all of you have for Silver Lion. <laughs> you know what? I'm going to go first man, Silver Lion. I think that's a very good movie. It's very Silver Lion-y in that. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if, fully, if I fully connect to it and fully makes the leap, but it is undoubtedly impressive, and mm-hmm. there's a lot to enjoy within it. We've already talked about first man, but if anybody else has anything else to say... Yeah, good good movie. Solid Lots of good pick. stuff. That transition, like to sitting seeing it in IMAX, the transition to yeah. the full frame in IMAX is incredible. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. It's that one of those movies that, awesome. like, I'm not shocked that it didn't go over better than it did because I think part of what makes it good also sort of makes it. I mean, it's really committed. It's incredibly right. committed to this idea of Neil Armstrong as like mm-hmm. the least fun person anybody has ever met. And it's just like, yeah. that's like, that's the movie. And like, that's, right. you know, that's the take. And like, that's good. But also it's just like, it's so committed to that. And like, I can understand why people have been like, why am I, what, what, why am yeah. I seeing this movie? Um, but it works. It's, you know, it's not a movie I think of. It doesn't jump like, primarily to my brain when i think of you know movies that i really love from the last few years but like it's really good yeah i mean a sort of uh tiff aside again i'm not like completely uh oscar minded to know like what like be predicting but i remember going and i was like it's gonna be crazy when the oscars are barry jenkins and 
Damien Chazelle at each other's throats again. <laughs> yeah. And then I saw yeah. Widows, and I was like, oh, that's going to win. And just <laughs> none of that happened. <laughs> Not a bit. No. I mean, at least Beale Street had some, you know, yeah. Regina King one and all that. But yeah, that's it's kind of wild that all three of those movies. Because I was with you there, too. I saw all three of them at TIFF that year. And especially, God, especially with Widows, I was just I like, mean, nailed it in. Everyone's going to see it. Everyone's going to love it. And, Exactly. I mean, I mean, if we're just telling stories from that TIFF this year, there was me sitting next to Colin watching Widows at like a night, like an eight a.m. screening that we both rushed, so we were out like in the slight cold for hours to yeah. watch it, and then me leaving the theaters with tears <laughs> pouring down my face, saying it's the greatest movie I had ever watched in my life. So good. <laughs> oh my god! Yep. And I was immediately like that. I mean, picture, director, yeah, actor, actress, <laughs> screenplay. Mm-hmm. And then yeah. it didn't win anything. And it haunts me to this day. And I think about why that happened every day of my life. Because it will never. <laughs> yep. <laughs> it, it, it both will never start making sense to me, though, at all. It, it like, just in thinking about it enough, it obviously, it, it's gone to the point where it makes perfect sense to me why that movie it's, it's like a classic, it's too good at too many things, and it's just weird tonally, so it never caught, it, like, people never caught wind of what they were trying to do with it, so people just, like, it's didn't the consider ki- for Oscar. Yeah, well, it's, the, it's the kind watch of movie. It, like, a blockbuster. Yeah, I think it's the kind of movie that for it to become a big Oscar thing, it needs to be a big, huge populist hit, which if you watch the movie, you're just like, well, obviously it will. And that was the problem is that they didn't know how to sell it. And they, you know, that. Well, yeah, it was. Well, because, yeah, it had the weird gap because it was Fox proper and not Fox Searchlight, but it was sort of on the borderline of like whether it should have been one or the other. Mm Yeah. Yeah. Indeed, it probably would have get no- got nominated for an Oscar in like 1995. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Instead, <laughs> instead, it was too good. Instead, it's all it was only yeah. the best picture winner in my heart. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Jesse. Oh yeah. So I, I have basically I have screenplay and emerging actor left because I am. Saving Silver Lion for last because I do not believe anyone else has seen the movie I plan on picking. Uh, but for. I guess I'll take. I guess I'll, I'll. I think I'm going to start off on Emerging Actor. Do and, it. Break, uh, our, break the seal. Our yep, emerging actor. And from. I'm going to be. I at one point I, I'm very glad that this is not uh, being referred to as young actor because that would probably uh, exclude this pick. Really, what it should be is emerging film actor because this is this actor's first major film role. I believe he's a very accomplished theater actor, and that is, of course, from the same movie that I gave the lot Golden Lion to. Bill Heck in The Ballad of Buster Scruggs, who is so, so good in what is probably my favorite segment of the movie. Uh, you know, he, he him playing uh, against Zoe Kazan as the two leads of this story. Uh, the girl who got I mean, rattled. It's just, the name of the segment. Yes, the girl yeah. who got rattled. It's just such a... As someone who uh, doesn't live in New York, so 
has only a vague awareness of the theater scene. I'd never heard of him, though I n- now know his credits a little bit. But anyway, uh, it, it's such a clear, just like, who is this guy performance? And yeah. it's like, it uh, in a, a cast where basically everyone else who plays a lead in one of these stories is like a big recognizable actor, he is maybe the one who sticks out most. Hello, Toast. This cat has a lot to say. Uh, this is going to be the last episode with the cat, as I'm currently house-sitting. No President uh, Pierce, as, this cat is, yeah. Yes. As uh, an unbearable New Yorker, I, I am duty-bound to chime in and say that I saw Bill Hack and Zoe Kazan as Joe and Harper Pitt in Angels mm-hmm. in America oh, yeah. off-Broadway, mm-hmm. and he was great. That was and that was the mm-hmm. first time I'd seen him any, in anything, and I was mm-hmm. like, "Oh, this guy's fantastic!" Like, and it was mm-hmm. so cool to see him show up again in Scruggs, and then see him opposite Zoe Kazan in, in Scruggs, mm-hmm. nonetheless. I hadn't even put that connection. I knew he had been in Angels, but I forgot that Zoe Kazan was the one with him in in that. That's so cool. Mm-hmm. Yep, and Adam Driver. No, wait, right. I didn't see the Adam Driver one. I saw it was um, Christian Borel. It was Christian Borel who yeah. was also fantastic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which is uh, Christian Bale with a fake mustache on. <laughs> <laughs> right. I'm not Christian Bale. I'm Christian Bale. <laughs> they should do a buddy comedy. That would be good. They Christian absolutely Bale should. Bale. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. All right. Uh, Joe. Yeah, back to Joe. Oh, it's to me. Okay. So I think I'm also... So what's... I have director and actor and emerging and i've got director all to myself so i can sort of wait on that i suppose yeah um i think i'm gonna pull out best actor mm-hmm. and i'm gonna say ryan gosling in first yeah. man it's sure. it's such a for an actor who was so sort of charisma forward in his early successful movies and thinking like the notebook and you know crazy yeah. stupid love which is not a good movie but he's really good in it and um obviously like la la land which he's not my favorite part of that although no, through no fault of his own i think that character as scripted is annoying um but he's really good in it and like again incredibly charming and then you get something like first man and once again like not to keep harping but just like the he's so committed to playing Neil Armstrong, this like the man who couldn't smile, and he's <laughs> so good at it, and 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 still makes you incredibly interested and you know compelled by this character anyway. And I'm very, I know there was sort of like this movie happened after that kind of like backlash wave against uh gosling were sort of like only god forgives and everybody was like absolutely not um <laughs> yeah but i feel like now we're back in a place where we can all you know very much appreciate mm-hmm. ryan gosling which is a good thing because we should yeah i mean mm-hmm. we've sort of talked around his performance and all the other awards that have been given to first man but it's like all in the face and the way that movie is like so claustrophobic and up in the actor's faces he's like very good at like playing just small facial shifts that show everything because he's not talking and uh yeah it's like a really incredible performance we talked i mean speaking of his like charisma we talked about the nice guys last week and that's like such a different performance but his power as an actor is like being able to do both of those so so well yep absolutely 
Yeah, those two, uh, La La Land and Nice Guys in the same year, do feel like the point at which they were like, okay, he, he, he's good again. We, he can yeah. do whatever he feels like. Gosling's back. Yeah, yeah, he's totally. great in song to song in between these two years. So. <laughs> uh, which I've still never seen. I should. Ooh, um, I mean, as <laughs> do not the, get the Cullen late. started on. on <laughs> <laughs> yeah, our, our week since talking about Terrence Malick counter. Anything else on Gosling? Anybody? Yeah, I mean, he's never been my favorite actor. I do like, and I will often sometimes derisively resort, uh, refer to this mode of him as comatose Gosling, um, which I know is like too reductive, but, uh, it is my favorite of that mode of performances from him. Of that mode of performances from him, the first man is my favorite. Uh, I think he's, I think he's very good and he is, he's definitely keyed into what that movie needs him to do. Absolutely. What has he done recently? Is he taking another break, maybe? I know that is he's he... got something coming up. Well, Blade Runner. Oh, right. yeah, Blade Runner. That's the same... Was that 17? No, I think yeah, that would have... A... Was it 17? Yeah, yeah it was yeah. a year before. So I guess, yeah, that would have been before this. Yeah, he hasn't ma- He hasn't done a movie since First Man. He wow. did a voice appearance in the Julio Torres comedy special. And right. then he's got a bunch of stuff in development, but it doesn't look like he even has anything in the can, so he might be taking a break. Oh. Blade Runner, unfortunately, seemed set up to sort of cement him as a guy who could open a movie, a guy who could sort of like carry a major wide release, and it didn't do that for him, which is a bummer because yeah. it would have been nice. But I mean, I yeah. I love that movie. I don't know if again like, Tom Hanks and Tom Cruise could have opened that movie. That mm. <laughs> <laughs> Agreed. <laughs> I like that movie a lot, but it's also like. Yeah. A bajillion hours long and right. meditative. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just yeah. like, yeah. yeah. It's about, yeah. like, I remember, whether life yeah, is possible. I remember that movie came out, like, shortly after, like, the theaters opened up after the hurricane here. And I remember taking a friend to it who was, like, not really into movies, but he would go see a movie with me. And I just remember leaving the theater and being like, so you liked that? <laughs> <laughs> And me being like, yeah, it's great. And I love it. Quietly, it's... quietly moving. Away. Yeah, I feel like the the most recent Gosling news was the uh, the Phil Lord and Chris Miller, Andy Weir adaptation, which just oh. sounds like it's uh, the Martian backwards, where instead of everyone trying to save him, it's him in space, and he's <laughs> trying to save everyone else. So, you know, space Gosling. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh. Is this to me again? Colin, yeah, make yeah. your... I think. So You've I got, still have... Yeah, screenplay, screenplay actress, and emerging. Yeah, emerging, sorry. Uh, I think I'll go screenplay, and this is mm-hmm. another sort of late in the game, one that I watched for the first time for this, uh, Olivier Asayas' nonfiction. You've scooped uh, me again. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have a ton to say about it. I do really like its vibe it's like a very talky movie which is not out of the norm for him because i like uh cold water and like uh irma vep i've watched more recently than like clouds this is maria personal shopper but he is like a dialogue heavy guy and this is like sort of a light farce like uh mixing of these like four different relationships like sex comedy that he does in his like own asayas way and I think it um, 
he really nails like I, I'm like very in the bag for like uh, upper class intellectuals like bemoaning like uh, book publishings and stuff like that and like acting and the cast that he assembled <laughs> and his script that he gave them is like very light and sort of fun in a way that uh, like I went like it's a talking movie I wouldn't describe Personal Shopper as like a fun watch where this was like oh this is light and it's airy and like I had a good time watching it and like not really a screenplay choice but it ends with like a Jonathan Richmond song that I just thought was great Things are falling down on me Heavy things I could not see Alright some more uh, technical difficulties would someone like to fill me in on where we are? Uh, I was just wrapping up talking about nonfiction. Truly Great. a gift from the gods because I had no more to say. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I guess I will say I like nonfiction. I think it's a pretty cute movie. Uh, well, not cute. I mean, I keep using that word cute. It's not. I mean, it's it's slight, right? It's yeah, like it's a little. Cute. It's like a little a little tossed off sort of movie. Feels right. like. It's like a little baguette. Tossed off yeah. is the words I would use to describe <laughs> sure. nonfiction, but uh. right, yes, um, yeah, and I, 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 yeah, it's it's you know it's a movie of people like arguing about ideas, which is something that I'm usually into. So it's uh, mm-hmm. I had a good time with it, and I think it's a pretty good pick, right. Colin. I think it's too yeah. Now, yeah. I well, I'll say I oh, like sorry. I uh, yeah I I like that movie a lot. I was gonna take the screenplay. Uh, I, I briefly wasn't sure I had a backup, but I do. Uh, <laughs> That's good. Uh, but yeah, did you talk about the uh, the Star Wars white ribbon joke? Uh, no, yeah. Please, yeah, that's a good joke. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> There's a joke in it about Star Wars and the white ribbon, and it is good, yes. according to Colin and Jesse. <laughs> <laughs> Great. All right, Andy. All right, I will take my picks. So, um... I guess, all right, so Silver Lion, I'm feeling like I don't have a lot to go on right now, and so I'm just, I have a bunch that are sort of clustered in the same area, and I'm going to take the one that I actually just ranked the lowest, um, even though, uh, just because we haven't talked about it yet, and I think it's kind of an interesting movie, uh, I'm going to pick uh, for Silver Lion, Paul Greengrass's 22 July. Um, which I know is uh, Cullen in particular is not a fan of this movie. Uh, It is not my favorite Greengrass by far. I am like the number one Captain Phillips fan you'll ever meet in the world. Uh, I think that movie is like, yes, that movie destroyed me in the theater. I was just, I couldn't get up from my seat. Um, 22 July is like in that, in that vein of Greengrass where it's like, let's recreate a historical event uh, in as much realism as possible. Uh, It's, it's, um, I you know it's got a really great central performance uh, from uh, Anders. Uh, what is it? is it Holmesley? Uh, Anders Danielson. Daniels Danielson. Uh, yes, I have him as a yeah. Ander, Anders Danielson Lee playing this like mass shooter who like ex- like is you know is like a right wing f- nut job sort of thing, and he he goes on and does the shooting of a bunch of of kids and and you it it both captures that event in close to you know real time and with a lot of realism and then follows the legal proceedings after he has been captured um i think i think that that second half gets into like a lot of like 
thematic stuff that I am just generally interested in of like, what is the right answer for how do we handle these like people who do these atrocious things? And you know, what, 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 what punishments are, or just, what does justice look like in this sort of situation? Like that stuff, I, I just generally find like interesting thematic mm. material to dig into. Uh, I don't know if this movie does like the best job of like really mining that for all that it's worth, but it, it's, it's definitely there. And I definitely appreciate that in it. Uh, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's a, it's a tough sit. It's a lot. Um, there's a lot of, uh, of, you know, horrifying, you know, stuff in it. But I think it's, I think it's an interesting movie that like was very much sort of dismissed pretty quickly. And I do think it maybe deserves just like a little bit of a second look. So that's why I'm picking it for my silver lion. It was definitely, I mean, for, there were, you know, mixed reactions to it. Yeah. Genuinely. But it also was one of the casualties and, um, Tamara Jenkins's private life was another one Mm -hmm. where Netflix had too much on its plate and couldn't devote enough to everybody. And 22 July, pretty quickly, they were just like, well, not that one. And um, it's kind of too bad. I I really liked that movie, too. I thought, like you, I really liked the stuff that it did in the second half with ideas of, you know, uh, restorative justice and what would it take to make the these victims sort of whole again and they focus on uh one of the victims in particular and i thought it was pretty Mm -hmm. poignant and i think it did what it needed to do in the second half to to justify the case for making Mm -hmm. the first half as harrowing as it was and i think that was good and necessary right yeah i like that movie yeah my experience with that movie is uh seeing Paul Greengrass enter the Elgin Winter Garden Theater to introduce it. He sure did. Got that long (laughs) hair. Trademark. Yeah. Alright, and I got another pick now, that's right. Yes, yeah. Um, Okay, so I will do my best actor pick, uh, and I think I'm gonna do something... I'm just gonna do like a a, a a trio of sisters brothers fellas or not sisters brothers uh, Ballad of Buster Scruggs fellas, yeah. uh, excuse okay. me. Uh, I am going to pick my three that I'm gonna pick from that are Tim Blake Nelson, uh, Harry Melling, and Bill Heck. Um, I think those are the sort of the three standout male performances for me in that movie. They each sort of anchor a different segment. Uh, Harry Melling, or so you got Tim Blake Nelson, who's in the 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 first and title titular segment, uh, playing uh, Buster Scruggs, the singing cowboy, who's like surprisingly a, a strong shot and uh, faces an untimely end when he doesn't realize that someone else could have that power. Also, uh, uh, I think he's he's a lot of fun. He sings. He's on a horse. He does it all. Uh, it's, it's just a real like Tim Blake Nelson. You really know how to entertain us. Performance that I really appreciate. Uh, Harry Melling um, playing uh, the uh, silent except for when performing uh, limbless man uh, in Meal Ticket. <laughs> um, the who, who who performs like a lot of like classical sort of stuff and that's a phenomenon that i always really enjoy like i don't i i've not seen a ton of like westerns and stuff like that but like the way that like they used like that you'll often see in like art in westerns and things the way that they look at back at like classical literature and like the like high art in that world i always really appreciate like the mix of high and low of like he's reciting like ozymandias po- the the poem and stuff and like it's all these people who have like rolled out barrels and stuff to sit on and watch him like i always like that juxtaposition is always really interesting to me and i think he's really good um uh, both in his like 
you believe that he would be like an attraction of people coming out to see him perform these things and then also like in his like silent moments where he's just sort of like hanging out and like killing time in between performances i think he's really good and then did you um, ever watch deadwood not to interrupt you but oh you I, I have seen the first most of the first season but i have not finished because there's a thing in the third season where brian cox shows up sort of like mm-hmm. leading this theater troupe and there's mm-hmm. a, there's a little of that kind of thing that you're talking oh, about. oh cool yeah i i do yeah. i keep meaning to get back to it it's i i've liked what i've seen so far um really yeah yeah and then bill heck jesse touched on obviously he's so he's so he's such an anchoring presence in that segment of the girl got rattled uh that uh i think uh he's really great and i don't really have much to add on what jesse said other than yeah he's he's really cool and really good uh and uh i like him a lot so those are my three highlights from uh ballad of buster scruggs the coen brothers movie that i'm calling out and giving a shared best actor win Saul Rubinek is going to write a very stern letter. <laughs> Come at me, Saul. Tom Waits is going to sing a ballad about how snubbed him. The Waits segment is the one that doesn't work for me in that movie, oh, which really? I know is like a very uh, unpopular so opinion. Missed a um, pocket. Disrespect it. I know. I'm sorry. Um, yeah, that, that kid like Nelson, when he stomps the table, is just like so magical. <laughs> yeah. He's so good. Colin, right. your pick. All right, yeah. Uh, I'm going to do my uh, pick my actress uh, sort of in tandem with my screenplay pick and pick Juliette Binoche. I think she's uh, probably the standout performance in uh, nonfiction. And, uh, you know, she's just one of the goats. Can't go wrong with a Binoche pick. She's fantastic. Maybe our greatest actress, who I love. I will yeah, even say she, she is good in that movie that I do not like. And anything you'd like to say about that performance? I mean, nothing specific. Uh, I just think she's like a very compelling presence, and like uh, specifically the scene where she is like breaking up with the person she's having an affair with, uh, and she's just like the the guy's like trying to define it more and like get a deeper discussion, and she's like tears in her eyes, just saying like, "No, it's done. It's just done." And I think it's, like, a very, like, well-done scene of, like, uh, restraint, like, as this actress playing an actress. And I think there's also a sort of, you know, with the screenplay, there is a joke in the movie where they say they're going to get Julia Binoche to read one of the author's audiobooks. And, you know, that's good stuff. It's like Julia Roberts in Ocean's 12. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Binoche is certainly good at that kind of movie. I mean, like, Cloud of Souls Maria is sort of that sort of movie where it's very argument-based. She, it is sort of similar to Certified Copy, which is, like, one of the greatest yeah. movies of the decade, and she is wonderful in it. And that sort of same sort of thing where it's, like, just ro- rolling around Europe talking, having these discussions, and she's just a very compelling arguer on screen. Yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Back to Joe. Oh, okay. So I am going to go for my emerging actor. Mm -hmm. And I had a couple that I was sort of choosing between. And I think I'm going to go for from uh, The Nightingale. And I'm Mm -hmm. probably going to mispronounce her name because she is Irish. And I can say this because I am part Irish. Those people (laughs) are bananas when it comes to pronouncing their (laughs) names. They will just throw a a consonant in there where it does not belong. (laughs) Truly. So I think it's either Aisling or maybe Aisling Franciosi as uh, the lead actress in 
the Nightingale. Um, we've talked a little bit about the Nightingale, but like she has so she has so many times where the camera is just like dead on on her face, and she really has to just sort of hold that you know in this incredibly powerful with like these very sort of deep themes and also emotions and everything like that and she really has to do a lot and she it's amazing you know everything she's able to do i'm hoping i'm not like erasing this big sort of swath of her career that uh, by calling her an emerging actress but like i don't think i had seen her in anything no ever. i think she'd only done like a few episodes of game of thrones and some other like uh uk television up until this point yeah i think she's fantastic i think she just yeah. she just you know commands that movie and mm-hmm. you know you're right there you're right there with her and i know obviously like the plot is going to put you on that character side anyway but she really um through through some very interesting sort of like turns of styled in the middle of that movie where it becomes this almost like mm-hmm. dream logic kind of thing when they're in the woods yeah. for a lot of that stuff mm-hmm. and she's great she's super great yeah. mm-hmm. Absolutely. i do like thinking about her performance specifically i have like got chills thinking about like her carrying the baby out like after when she's like yelling at like the sort of like leader like housemate the bureaucrat yeah yeah yeah, yeah. oh God, yeah it's, she's so good it's like such like yeah and then I we uh, I mentioned Andy and I were talking about it pre-record the scene where she sees, uh, you know Sam Claffin and like just puts the gun down like after aiming it at him is just yeah. so intense. She's so good. Yeah. Great pick. Mm-hmm. Everyone I'll get a say, watch the Nightingale. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I meant to and just never felt up to it for this exercise. Uh, I'll say now that we're getting into these emerging actor awards. Uh, no one can commit a greater act of erasure with this than when the 2010 jury entirely erased the runs of uh, both that 70s show, that 70s show, and Family Guy by awarding Mila Kunis <laughs> the Marcello Mastroianni Award for Black Swan. <laughs> Finally, that makes me feel better about what I'm gonna do when it comes back to me, though. <laughs> Well, yeah. Jesse? All right. Uh, so I've got I am running real low on screenplay options. There's really two movies open to me here that I don't dislike, and so the one of those that I'm gonna take is one that we've not talked about, uh, which is Rick Alverson for The Mountain, which is a strange cold uh hard to watch movie but it's it's you know it's solidly written it's got uh really interesting performances from uh ty sheridan jeff goldblum and then later in the film denis levant and hannah gross uh with goldblum playing a uh uh, lobotomist who uh, when uh, Ty Sheridan's father dies he kind of takes him under his wing because Ty Sheridan's mother is in a mental hospital having been lobotomized by Goldblum's character and it uh, you know it's it's very Alverson very kind of episodic and weird yeah. uh more similar to entertainment than to 
the comedy. He's someone who is interesting to see him pop up in this competition, and the movie just, like, didn't quite get that much traction. I don't think it came out till like, the next September. Yeah. Uh, it was another movie that, after playing Venice, I don't think it did Toronto. Uh, and so, yeah, I finally caught up on it, and it, it's it's worth a look, at the very least. Yeah. Great. Now we're oh, on yeah. to me, right? Yeah. Yeah. You're, your last two picks. Let's do it. And I'm so glad to have them. Okay. <laughs> so, I've, I'm gonna throw in some chaos here. Okay. Do it. <laughs> it's about time. So for my emerging actor, I'm going to pick Horatio the Duck from The Favorite. Jesus Hell Christ. yes. <laughs> Hell yes. <laughs> He's playing himself. The, Playing himself. The, the fastest duck fa- in the city. He's billed as the fastest duck in the city, and he is, as he proves on camera. He's very charming, and he's a highlight in a movie full of highlights. What else is there to say? Had he even <laughs> acted before? That's that's emerging actor for me. Has he acted he since? Who knows? Uh, Horatio's IMDb seems to suggest that is his only role. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know... He only hit gold once, right? Yeah. He knew. He had achieved the peak and then was out. He's like, I'm not going to do any better than this. Well, when they make the Duck Hunt movie uh, based on the Nintendo oh. video game, then uh, Horatio's yeah. really going to cash in. That's his Oscar movie right there. That's, Absolutely. That's, yeah, yeah, that's the Oscar movie right there. Opening sure. my calendar, writing right Duck Hunt movie. We all get co-producer credits, is that what it's Right, yeah, yes, yeah, exactly. Finder's fee, yes. <laughs> who plays the dog? I'll, I'll tell you who plays the dog. My best actor pick from out of competition. I just want to take another good look at you. My old boy, Bradley Cooper. He's right there. He's so good. I almost, I really almost picked Bradley Cooper for best actor. It's... I thought you were going to pick the dog from A Star Is Born. <laughs> <laughs> right, the one Bradley Cooper adopted, I think. That yeah, was the story. It's his real life dog. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah, great performance. I mean, great performance. <laughs> I uh, The thing is that before watching A Star Is Born, like, I had watched the Hangover movies, which he's like good in, but obviously those movies aren't like good. And yeah. But I had, I had never seen Silver Linings Playbook, and I had never seen American Sniper, so I had not fully been come around to like the charms and the potential of Bradley Cooper and then he came on screen in that movie and I fell in love he makes you <laughs> he has a beautiful voice he <laughs> completely sells those scenes with Lady Gaga like their relationship is just like breathtaking to watch as Colin said the love beyond rose scene and just like the wonder in his face seeing that happen and then just him, him touching her nose all of those small little moments oh. and then his breakdown is heartbreaking to watch all the more oh. because of those, like how wonderful he is in the first half. And I really love that performance. I think he's so charming in it. And I yeah. would watch anything else he makes than that. I am what glad the... that pick fell to me. Yeah, that's a good one. Uh, yeah. The Star is Born is like a number two or three on like a lot of my slots of like, if I did get my first pick, I would have gone there. Uh, what a movie. I mean, so, so good. Cooper, like, incredible. I mean, the famous, like, the, the scene of him and Sam Elliott in the truck is just, like, devastating. Yeah. yeah. He's really um, good. Yeah. His voice. I mean, and 
And especially, like, yeah, well, that's the th- The voice is, like, a fully ridiculous choice that should not work. That he is, like, imitating Sam Elliott because he, like, admired him so much growing up or whatever. Like, yeah. that should not work. But, like, it totally is, like, not a big deal within the movie. And, like, it actually, like, is, like, effective, like, character detail. Um, and so yep. I think that's a lot in that performance. <laughs> totally. All right. Jesse. Hmm. There we go. I think it's only like two hours, 20 minutes. I was going to say a brisk two and a half hours. (laughs) Yes. And he still manages to get in a really good portrait of this town. And there's lots of great touches. Uh, One of the things that uh, I think about it a lot is that the the kind of the thing that he keeps going back to is these uh, city council meetings. And there's this one very annoying woman who is just like anytime she can uh, cause some kind of uh, trouble at this meeting she will and then there's a scene where he spends a fair amount of time at the uh, county fair and there's just uh, in the corner of a shot you see her at the uh, the I can't uh, whatever the county is is it at their uh Republican Party uh, recruitment tent, which is a great little Wiseman touch if you were paying attention. Uh, So yeah, I like that movie. Another uh, great scene and uh, one where he uh, doesn't cut for a long time, which is unusual for him, is there's uh, Mm -hmm. a really moving funeral scene uh, during the movie. And he actually, he does, we talked about the, uh, the Steve James documentary that played at Sundance, uh, City So Real, where he uses barber shops to show contrast, and, uh, mm-hmm. Wiseman actually does the same thing in Monrovia, I believe. Yeah. Maybe awesome. it's just one barber shop. Mm-hmm. Wiseman's one of the greats. Yeah. I love his movies. He does. I mean, I, I, as as you said, I've seen his l- sort of like late run of movies from like at Berkeley on, and then mm-hmm. a smattering of earlier ones. And he just does the like living, breathing uh, municipality thing so well. I thought just watching um, in Jackson Heights and Ex Libris back to back are like this incredibly fascinating portrait of just like how community works in a city as big as new york and mm-hmm. it's he's fantastic he's so good I, I haven't seen monrovia yet but i really want mm-hmm. to yeah and he's everything's of his is on canopy right he's like a special like yes. that, like his special uh-huh. deal is like canopy exclusive right yeah all right joe oh my last okay. pick your director um i'm really glad this one fell to me this is my one out of competition 
pick, uh, we just talked about him a second ago. I've got Bradley Cooper for mm. A Star is Born. Great pick. It's everything that you can say good about him as an actor in that movie, plus everything else he brings to that film. It's just, it's it was amazing to me. I mean, this sounds very hokey, but like it was amazing to me that like, oh, we can have movie experiences like this that are like romantic dramas or like musical romantic dramas again. Like it's amazing that it was just so cool that it was the phenomenon that it was, but also just that he could take a property that's like the definition of the tale as old as time, right? It was just like, mm-hmm. we've told this story so many times, but he makes it incredibly fresh and compelling. He really uh, helps Lady Gaga bring out this really great performance out of out of her. He knows exactly where to like place the musical performances to get like maximum effect out of all that it's it's really wonderful it's good for him i was very i was very sad that things didn't sort of work out for him i really thought he was going to win the oscar for best director that year and it didn't work out that way but yeah he gets my fake venice best director award as a consolation prize absolutely well we got him on the line now bradley (laughs) (laughs) his computer just crashed oh yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah i mean you feel like a lot of times when actors make the link to directing it's just them trying to fulfill their like auteur dreams of like this movie that they've always wanted to make for like years where i'm gonna finally put it on screen and it's refreshing to see him his take just be well i'm an actor so i know what good acting is so i'm just gonna forefront that and two very charismatic beautiful people are gonna just be talking to each other and falling in love and i can do that really well and and it's very good and i'm glad he did it and i i would i want to see him make other movies i know i'm very interested in the bernstein biopic that is supposed to be his follow-up i that i think that could be something interesting i do also hope that the other the other bernstein biopic that's supposed to be happening with jake gyllenhaal and uh um what's his name the director uh who uh, is doing bond and uh did first Terry oh, uh, yeah, yeah yes yeah. um i really hope we live in a world that gives us dueling bernstein biopics mm-hmm. um but uh but yeah that's an interesting move for him next and I, i'm interested to see it I, I think I mean the I talked about the Olivia and Rose scene. Uh, the another just like stylistic choice that I wouldn't have expected. Like maybe going in with not low expectations, especially not after Tiff, but like when it was just the trailer that was like a phenomenon in and of itself, where everyone's like, "This is the best trailer." It's like the movie of the year already. Um, I was like still skeptical, and I like wouldn't have expected some of the like more like out there stylistic choices, which like specifically the scene near the end with like the police lights on the house and it's just like this pretty like stark scene and then also the end where she's singing the song and it like cuts back to them on the piano and then just cuts back to her like looking up devastating like smart move like yeah as a director that i would not like with like pre-judgment on bradley cooper i probably wouldn't have expected that out of him and it's like a delightful surprise and it is such a great movie i've seen it like four times since it came out and it like works every single time it's Mm -hmm. like really like unfuckwithable as it were yeah uh i don't really rewatch movies but i've heard the ass gene song like a thousand times (laughs) (laughs) oh i mean yeah 
And we're going to just do a little Same. song like, I think that, uh, you know, Look What I Found is as good as Shallow. But <laughs> and then can we just, the work he's able to get out of Alec Baldwin in that movie. I just mean, Ladies, and <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Allie. The most Alec Baldwin wonderful. and Halsey, like truly, the uh, exactly. they should have been my shared uh, best uh, actor and actress. <laughs> if I didn't give it to the other side of the wind, I would have given actor to Andrew the Dice Man Dice Club. <laughs> <laughs> what a crazy movie that that movie exists and is good, considering yeah, yeah. everything about it. <laughs> I mean, you can't see it in my notebook, but I did at some point legitimately, ha- as a joke, had like Chappelle dice clay. <laughs> I mean, yeah, all like the sort of like New York limo drivers are great in that movie. Yeah. Um, on to my final pick. Yeah, Cullen, yeah. pick your emerging actor. So, I'm going to do a little bit of Mila Kunising <laughs> and someone who had already been in two movies at the time. Give it to Raffi Cassidy from Fox Lux. I so knew this good. was coming. That's so funny. She's so good. I mean, like... This is so rude to Tomorrowland. Uh, unquestionably uh, her I, worst performance. That is not true. She is so good in Fox Lux. She, I mean... She sells, like... Playing the sort of, like... Cherubic in a way that, like, Brady Corbett wants her to play... Like the scene specifically that I'm thinking of is when she's singing the song like at the candlelight vigil that she's written, uh, and it's like you see her like start to smile and then like get into the song that is like uh, an unquestionably like bleak thing of singing at the funeral of all your classmates that were killed <laughs> after you got like shot in the neck and then like in the text of the movie made a deal with the devil to be good at singing and. Uh, she really sells it and then like what can't be seen by listeners is my zoom background she like is in these crazy music videos and sells everything and then also <laughs> in the second half of the movie plays another part as the daughter of uh celeste uh you know dual roles there uh, playing i can't remember the daughter's name right now but i mean she's just so good and like playing against stacy martin uh, as the sister and then as like the aunt in the second half and uh, her relationship to Jude Law in the first half is very very good and she's like not just like a conduit in a way like she doesn't just like let stuff happen to her that like that role could in a lesser movie <laughs> considering that Vox Lux is so high on everyone's list but yeah I mean I think it's like a very <laughs> dynamic <laughs> Uh, compelling performance and despite all the shit that gets talked about the movie having bad songs wrapped up is a full ass banger and I will not be taking any questions Andy (laughs) my my only issue with this turn of events is that it's incredibly disrespectful to the actually best performance in the movie which is Stacey Martin who has to play two different ages with no makeup and she does a good job and shout out to Stacey Martin I mean she's part of like like a box lux. She's not a breakthrough in the same way that Raffi is. Great. In the same way that Raffi is. After giving I, I like I like to imagine in like the real life playing out of these lineups that like Raffi Cassidy gets the emerging actor, 
award and like camera cuts to Yorgos Lanthimos in the crowd just sort of like giving an incredibly quizzical look to the stage. Yeah, yes. And I could say I evoked Wrapped Up and everyone had already heard it at this point because it will be the intro song to this week's podcast. <laughs> Absolutely not. The intro song is going to be when a cowboy trades a spur for wings. I will, I will bet on that right now. It's pretty likely. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, all right. Uh, I will pick my emerging actor. All right. I the final pick of the draft, right? Yes, yeah. the final pick of the draft. Um I am really torn. I have a few like there's a lot of good options weirdly left for me, I feel like. I yeah. was tempted to do a bit and choose Lutz Eberdor- Ebersdorf, uh Tilda Swinton's male <laughs> actor name in Suspiria. I will I, not I be almost doing made that, that pick also. Yes. <laughs> then um, I then I thought Horatio was a better bit. That's true. <laughs> um, but just fo- I want to fully put that that was on the table at one point, and uh, I have chosen a different direction. Um, I'm tempted to choose Baker Lee uh, Ganambar, who actually won the uh, Marcello Mastriani, who was the other mm-hmm. lead in The Nightingale, who is really terrific uh, and yeah. I think does a lot of special. And he, like, it's it's truly a breakout for him. He, like, was a dancer uh, who, like, they had auditioned, like, do a dance and, like, cast him in the movie off of that. And I think he's really good. I'm going to choose uh, Yelitsa Aparizio from Roma. Yeah. Because um, she's, I mean, that's, like, we, we've talked a lot about Roma. That movie centers on her. If she doesn't do it, like, mm-hmm. that movie completely falls apart. Uh, and I think she is so good at being, at, like, she's, you know... All her like switching code switching stuff that she does in that movie, like the the way that she is like tim- timid, uh, the way that she is like has like you see all this stuff like of the way that she is conditioned to like socialize in this world, and how like it's really like on her like the the fact that like she is like in this family but not of this family and like where those lines are so clearly drawn and like she spends all her time with them and they support her up to a certain point but then like they expect her to like take the dishes and clean them like when they're all watching tv and stuff and like the way that she plays those moments i think is really really terrific um uh, yeah, she's so good. I was so happy she got an Oscar nomination. Also, love Marina de Tavera. I think she's so good, and she's so Marina de Tavera is so funny in that movie with all her driving bits are so good. Um, but uh, Yelitsa is just like yeah, the, the the way that she is able to carry that movie on her shoulders, I think is just a wonder, and I I think she's really terrific. Yeah, she's wonderful. I mean, you you basically said it all. Like. The way how th- that is a more, more canny performance than I think some people give credit to, and I think she does a very good job at drawing the lines that the movie wants you to wants there to be drawn, so you understand her role within this world. And I think that the movie would be much lesser without her, somebody who brings as much like integrity to that part as her. A great way to end the draft, Andy. Thank you. Yeah. I thought so. Started Book with and- Roma and ended, yeah. yeah. I know, yeah. I mean, yeah, the, the the true Golden Lion winner, I mean, it's kind of undeniable in many aspects. So, uh, yeah, happy to happy to do that. Um, great. So, we did it, guys. We drafted the 2018 yeah. Venice lineup. Um, well done. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. Everyone, applause all around. Uh, Joe, <laughs> thank you again so much for joining us. What would you like to plug? Oh, gosh. Uh, come listen to my uh, podcast, This Had Oscar Buzz. My yes. co-host, Chris File and I talk about movies that were 
sort of hyped for Oscar and didn't make it. And there's some real sort of fascinating yeah. uh, discussions to be had. Our latest movie yes. we talked about was Flawless, the Joel Schumacher movie, Flawless. We wanted to talk about a Schumacher movie mm-hmm. uh, with his recent passing. And uh, yeah, we just recently passed 100 films mm-hmm. covered, which is crazy that yeah. we've been doing that for as long as we have. Yeah. But, I, yeah, That's I fun. do got to say, it's appointment listening for me every week. I have not missed an episode. I love that podcast so much. The Mother oh, episode is really you. everything you want it to be. Mm-hmm. It's so yes. much fun. <laughs> <laughs> um, what a we were We were looking forward to doing that one for such a long time. Yes. I'm so glad we got it out of our system. It's so oh my good. Yeah. A, a great film, unquestionably. Yes, <laughs> agreed. Yes, you know, a provocative film similar to Fox Lux. <laughs> Get out of here! Uh, yeah, I mean, Jesse? Alright, uh, you can follow us on Twitter at CanIKickIt. You can follow us on Letterboxd at CanIKickItOD, like the last two letters of pod, because the P didn't fit. Uh... And I'll go ahead and just announce that uh, next week, if you want to prepare for our episode, we are continuing our Murderer's Row of July guests. We're going to be talking about uh, the three recent Hong Sang-soo films that have been either released or restored, as well as revisiting the film 14 with the director of that film, Dan Salit. Uh, so look forward to that next week. Yeah. And you can follow, you can follow me Sorry, on Twitter yeah. at JP Glick Weber. And that is in the description as well as uh, the other links I just mentioned. Um, you can fi- fi- find me on Twitter at Andy T. Germ on Letterboxd and, and other places as well. I think if you want to find me on Facebook for some demented reason, that's the way to do it. Um, yeah, and uh, yeah, keep on listening. Uh, we're having a good time. Come. You're firing mm-hmm. off a lot of like political opinions on Facebook right now, right? That's uh, that's right. Yeah. Wear masks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I'm the worst yes. person on Facebook. It's me. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I am on Twitter and Letterboxd at Clatchley C L A T C H L E Y, and uh, I will plug as my movie to recommend to people. Uh, Matthias Pinero's Hermia and Helena. I watched it a few weeks ago, and it has not left me. It's a truly, truly mm. great movie at the recommendation of Jesse. So, a little mm-hmm. double plug for you there. A movie in which uh, Dan Salit plays exactly, a role. Yeah. We might talk about that a little bit next week as well. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at I'm Laugh Alone. You can follow me on Letterboxd at I Laugh Alone. That is all I have to plug this week. This was a good time. Thank you, yeah. Joe. Mm-hmm. Thank you again. Yep. Thanks, Thanks, you guys. This yeah, was really this super fun. All right. All right, and with that, I will go ahead and release our audience. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Bye.